0: CPA and CFP Don Cash has made it his life's work to help people like you plan their finances and achieve their retirement goals. It's time for Your Money and Your Life. Hey everybody, welcome into another edition of the podcast. Thanks for hanging out with Don and I here on Your Money and Your Life We always appreciate your time here on the show as we talk about all the different things that can affect you in the financial and retirement world. And, of course, Don's a CPA and a CFP, so he's been doing this a long time. He knows a fair bit about what he's talking about. And today we're going to get into an interesting, uh, well, it's right there in our face topic, inflation, interest rates, and bond prices. Oh, my. (laughs) Kind of like the old school, uh, what was that? Uh, The Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. Thank you. Wow. Uh, Don, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, Mark. How are you? Doing pretty good. Hey, listen, our conversations are shifting, man. Russia, Russia, Russia. COVID, COVID, COVID. Masks, masks. Now, no masks. Now, my wife is excited because a federal judge at the time we're taping this is just ordered like a day or two ago that uh, you don't have to wear a mask on a plane uh, now, and she's getting ready to take a trip
1: tomorrow. So she's very excited. How do you feel about that? Uh, you know what it's um I'm wondering what kind of effect this is going to have on travel that's what I'm thinking right I mean last month I was attending my first uh live business conference in Orlando uh-huh i think i mentioned that last time right and I, I noticed that the mask rule by the way was very lightly enforced by, and followed particularly at the airports in orlando i'd say half the people you know just uh, ignored it okay. uh, along with the police um and uh, you know airport security so uh, you know with this news on monday i noticed and you probably did too there was a noticeable jump in the stock prices of airlines and hotels, cruise lines, basically hospitality businesses in general. Sure. You know, and I'm wondering, and I'm not sure if you have an opinion on this, What if people are more or less likely to travel, um, or, or some might be, you know, more leery to travel due to rule changes, thinking they're, they're more at risk. So I guess we'll see.
0: Yeah, so we'll definitely see. I mean, I think everybody's going to be a little bit different with their opinions on travel. But hey, that's why we say the stock market reacts to news and gets all unpredictable. And this kind of stuff is certainly unpredictable. So for, you know, therefore, the stock market is unpredictable, Don. So even though that mask rule on planes, you know, may have expired soon, anyway, uh, the news is totally unexpected. And the market seem to think people are going to travel more, like, more likely to travel. I kind of agree with that. Where are you, Stan?
1: Yeah, they may be right. I mean, to be sure, the airports have been very busy over the past month or two. And, you know, I just actually I've just booked my airline tickets, Mark, for my summer trip. Okay. And the prices are way up from just a few months ago. Well, so, the CPI you know, was up too, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's an indication, I think, of demand. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, gas prices are up, so the planes are paying more for fuel. Right. But more people are, are wanting to fly, uh, uh, I'm sure. Um, even before this announcement. So the prices are are certainly, they reflect that.
0: You know, and speaking of that, I was just looking at the CPI numbers for March. that came out last week when I was... uh when I was not I was on vacation last week and air travel was like like 24 percent I think uh, that mm-hmm. was one of the numbers fuel was like you know 48 percent we all know that so obviously the prices of everything are going up Don inflation keeps hitting these levels we just have not seen since you know I was you know hanging on to my you know favorite lollipop kind of thing so it's been <laughs> a long time so the last number was well over eight percent I think it was eight and a half and the Federal Reserve is trying to figure out how many rate hikes they're gonna do this year they did one little one already and they're talking about anywhere from I've heard four to six. So let's talk about how the inflation impacts these interest rates that we pay on our loans and and we get on our savings and just overall what it's going to do to stocks and bonds and things of that nature.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. And we should first dispel any misconception, Mark, about the Federal Reserve and in interest rates. Okay. I mean, this is often a, a confusing relationship. Right? So the Fed controls very short-term interest rates. It's something called the federal funds rate. And this is the daily interest rates that the banks charge each other to lend. And of course, the ripple effect is that it affects the, the rates that banks lend to customers for things like car loans and credit cards, personal loans, business loans, things like that. And as you mentioned, the Fed just had its first rate hike since 2018 after cutting the rates over the past two years and um, to stimulate the economy due to COVID. Right, right. Basically, it cut it to zero. Over the past two years, so the federal rate now is between a quarter percent and a half a percent. It, just it sounds crazy. <laughs> it floats in that range, right. right? But the prime lending rate that banks charge to their best customers went from three and a quarter percent to three and a half percent.
0: Ah, I guess I'm not a good customer then our best customer, <laughs> uh, because definitely you know equity rates are a little bit higher, closer to five actually. Uh, so if the Fed rate Raise the interest rate only a quarter of a percent. I guess that's what would be a quarter percent for the first time in four years. So then why are rates jumping up to, let's say five, maybe they were three and a half or whatever, 3.75, maybe you're in that range. Um, you know, now you're jumped up to, you know, five. So my math tells me that, you know, obviously that's more of a 2% difference and that's not a quarter. So what's the deal there?
1: Yeah, I mean, you're referring, of course, to home equity loans as well as the mortgage rates, right? Right. Thank you, yes. So the mortgage rates are are 5% in that range, depending upon if you want a 30-year or 15-year mortgage. That's a great question. So uh, contrary to popular belief, the Federal Reserve does not control most interest rates. I think that comes as a a surprise to many people, Mark. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Yeah, the markets do. So I just checked the uh, interest rate on my high-yield savings account, and it's still only a half a percent right <laughs> so that's the short-term rate that the fed has more control over yeah uh, and even though the federal reserve raised interest rates very slightly there's the expectation of more rate increases to come as you mentioned before right as well as more persistent inflation over the next few years so there's an expectation of four to six more rate uh, hikes mm-hmm. of a quarter percent this year, so that would total about two percent interest rate, and this will bring the the total level to the two thousand and nineteen levels, at which what it was about three years ago at about two and a half percent. So if you're borrowing money for let's say a new home or a car, or for college loan or for business, the lender's saying, "Hey, it really doesn't. They don't care so much what the Fed is saying now with this quarter percent." If we're going to make any money, it looks like we're going to have to charge more now today if we're going to give you a fixed rate loan for five years or 10 years or 30 years.
0: Okay, yeah. So mortgage rates of 5% versus 3 is certainly going to hurt home sales. And I guess that is the point, right? So home sales, home prices, sales have been raging the last two years. So as we're ticking these things up, I guess the idea is to help us slow down. Uh, Home prices, and and hopefully, I guess, that'll lead to other things to kind of curb maybe some of the inflation.
1: Yeah, that's the idea, of course. I mean, the price of homes has gotten totally out of control in in many parts of the country. The prices are up over 50%, and some places doubled Mm -hmm. over the past two years. I just checked the monthly payment, by the way, today on a $500,000 mortgage at 5% Mm -hmm. versus 3% mark. Mm -hmm. It was like four hundred and fifty dollars per month difference at five percent versus three percent so instead of twenty one hundred dollars per month it was almost twenty six or twenty seven hundred dollars per month
0: yeah that's different (laughs) Uh,
1: so it's more than five hundred dollars per month actually different so it's very tough on a young person a young first-time home buyer and the vexing problem for many is that the rent prices are jumping too so two things may happen one the buyer, the young buyer, might say, "Hey, I better buy now before the interest rates get even higher, right? And then the buyer drives the prices up higher. Or the buyer holds off saying, "I'm not even sure if we can afford this extra four or five hundred dollars per month. And then we get fewer buyers because they're not buying. So it's the same idea with other loans. Higher rates means slower growth in lower inflation. In theory, it means that, right? So in the late 1970s, we had this phenomenon called stagflation, and this was a stagnant economy with inflation. So it was basically a slow-growing economy coupled with high inflation. And many people are old enough to remember these high interest rates and high unemployment. It's kind of a weird time. So just remember, it's always the markets that control most rates, not the Federal Reserve. And when I say markets, I mean hundreds of millions of people buying and selling and borrowing and lending here in the United States and really all over the world. So the so-called experts, Mark, in Washington or in Europe, in Brussels, have a hard time controlling the behavior of millions and <laughs> hundreds of millions of consumers and investors.
0: That's a great point and a good explanation of the interest rates. So you know, what about uh, these interest rate changes affecting the bonds on the stock prices? And we typically uh, you, you hear there's an inverse to that. So it's weird how both the stock prices and bond prices are down this year. Uh, it Typically, they go in opposite directions. So it's a little wonky to people.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, that's a great point. And keep in mind that the stock prices and bond prices often have dissimilar price movements, meaning that they don't correlate or go up and down exactly together. They can move in the same direction or in in opposite directions. Uh, It reminds me of how when an illness runs through a family, often does in our family, Mark, uh, often in the winter during cold and flu season, when one person gets sick, eventually the entire family gets sick, but not always. I have to tell you I have a friend who's married with 5 kids and it seems like when he and the kids get sick his wife somehow either avoids it or only gets very mildly ill it's weird uh, the kids bounce back quickly and and he may you know feel the effects for many days or even a few weeks. I'm with him there. Uh, My wife, we always called it
0: mommy immunities. For some reason, they just don't get it, and (laughs) the dad does. So, you know, you're saying this guy's wife is
1: like a bond. That's a little weird, Don. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Well, yeah, sort of, right? Uh, If you think about it this way, the bonds are for stability. They don't go up or down nearly as much okay, as
0: All right, it's a positive, all right.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a ballast to the ship, if you will. There you go. But they can move down in value. So we've been in a situation over the past really 15 or 20 years where interest rates have been falling steadily and bond values have been very, very strong. So we're not used to these um, rapid increases in rate. So here's an example. Hopefully this works. Uh, as an example let's say two years ago when interest rates were very low you bought a five year home depot bond for example for ten thousand dollars that yielded two percent okay that means you would get two hundred dollars per year in interest or a hundred dollars every six months that's typically how it works right so if interest rates for a new bond move to say four percent nobody's going to pay ten thousand dollars for that bond that was bought two years ago, right? People are saying, I don't want that bond. An investor can get twice the interest rate, so now the old Home Depot bond is worth less. There's four years left on the interest payments on that old bond, and to equal the new rate, you would just pay less for the old bond. They call it being sold at a discount. Uh, Of course, the owner of the old bond could just hold on to that bond, collected $200 per year in interest payments, and just get the $10,000 back after four more years. But if he or she sold it, they would sell it at a discount or a lower price.
0: Yeah, I got you. Now, so Now, and it's a confusing thing to grasp for people. So the value of a bond moves in the opposite direction of the interest rate. So sometimes think of it this way. I'd rather have a short-term CD when rates are going up than be locked into a five- or ten-year CD uh, this way, I can always kind of be reinvesting that money at a higher rate,
1: correct? Yeah, it's exactly. And it's just the opposite, by the way, when rates are falling. So you would rather have been locked into that five-year CD five years ago in 2017 at 3%, right? Mm-hmm, right. When the rates fell to zero during COVID in 2020. So think about it this way. In 1992, a 30-year Guaranteed government treasury bond yielded about eight percent, and we were coming off of years in the 1980s when the government bonds yielded something like 15 percent. And the thinking was, "Hey, don't get locked into that 30-year bond, man. This is 1992. That right. would be a big mistake." And someone who bought that 30-year bond in 1992 looked like a genius today, <laughs> right? Uh, right. Often, when uh, when investing, it pays to do the opposite of what the conventional wisdom is or conventional thinking is so now when we have this snapshot in time today in early 2020 where both stock values and bond values are down um, as of i think this morning the barclays bond index that's just an index of of the bonds is down more than eight percent year to date the S&P 500 down about 7% or so, and the NASDAQ is down about 13%. Yeah,
0: I mean, I guess the stocks are, obviously, they're down to due to a lot of factors like the war in Ukraine, uh, inflation, labor shortages, supply chain shortages, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But as I say, um, nothing is good or bad until you compare it to something else, right? I always tell right. my kids that. So uh, compared to the S&P 500 or the Barclays Bond Index, The Dimensional Funds DFA Large and Small Value Index is slightly positive year to date. And the Vanguard Short-Term Bond Index is down about 4.5% versus 8% for the Barclays Total Bond Index. So that's why we always talk about diversification. You could react to the news and jump in and out of investments, or you can take the approach... That has, by the way, won multiple Nobel Prizes in economics and spread out the savings into multiple segments like U.S. stocks, large, small growth, value companies, international companies, high-quality, short-term bonds. And you'll get a mix that reduces the ups and downs and move from confusion toward clarity and ultimately markets about helping you achieve long-term goals like just relaxing about money, enjoying life, spending time with your family instead of obsessing over your savings account.
0: Yeah, it makes total sense. We often talk about diversification and that way when something's maybe going down, something else is going up and you're not all in the same kind of thing, you know, the whole grandma not in the same basket kind of deal. And it makes total sense. So let me play devil's advocate here, Don, and and I'll pretend that I'm a prospect. And kind of give you, you know, something say, you know, like, I'm sure you've heard things or people think, you know, hey, Don, when times are crazy, I want, you know, I want that safety and security with a modest return, like maybe 3%. And then when times are good, like last year, you know, I want to get that 10 or 20. So I need you to tell me when to get in and when to get out of the best investments, given those circumstances. Isn't that what you guys do? Many people feel like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a great point, Mark. That's exactly what many people think they perceive an advisor's job is to get in and out of the investments and time the market. And, you know, many stockbrokers and salesmen are more than happy to comply. Uh, They might say, if you want Bitcoin, we'll sell you Bitcoin. If you want gold, we'll sell you gold. And if you want to bail out of stocks and buy real estate, we'll do that, too there's only one problem. Long term, it doesn't work. Uh, it leads to anxiety and stress and wasted time staring at your cell phone or TV, watching financial news that you have absolutely no control over anyway. Yeah, true. And you said a magic word
0: there, I think, where you said stockbrokers or salesmen or salesman type of thing where versus someone who's really helping you build that plan and that longevity and that relationship. And it sounds like, you know, not necessarily saying hey don't worry just be happy kind of thing but if you're chasing the hot thing and we you know everybody should know this or, or loading up on any one category like tech or are confused about how these things work then you should be worried because you're just taking a gamble at things you just don't understand
1: Yeah, very true, Mark. I mean, once you get an understanding how investments work and diversify and allocate according to your goals and your time horizon and your appetite for risk, you can move from, like I mentioned, that confusion to clarity. And, of course, there's a million little things to deal with in retirement, like taxes and Medicare. Long-term care and changing IRA rules we went through last time, and legal issues, right? Like powers of attorney and wills and updating things, and of course health. Pete, you know, no one wants to. Yeah. You know, not focus on health. And, you know, once you hit 55 or 60, really, we're running out of time at that point. And there's only so many days left to fulfill your dreams and purpose for life.
0: Absolutely. And as summer is getting closer and closer, I've been saying for a while now that 50, when you turn 50, it's like the unofficial kickoff to retirement. Uh, the same way Memorial Day is technically not summer, but we treat it like the unofficial kickoff to summer. And you get to 50 and you really start thinking about these things more and it starts pulling at you more. And so that's why you got to have a good you know, representative on your side. You got to have a good professional on your side. And as I mentioned earlier, Don is a CPA and a CFP. So having that uh, person that has that insight that can just walk through many scenarios available to you is important because a lot of times we just don't know what we don't know. I mean, I've got a new muscle car and I was tinkering around the other day and something was going wrong with it on the engine and I couldn't quite figure out what it was. And I knew what my limitations were. So I went and saw a professional to get some help. And if you need some help from that standpoint financially, definitely sit down with a qualified pro like Don. Stop by the website at donaldcash.com. That's his main website, DonaldCash.com. And you can check out all the good tools, tips, and resources. Get in touch with him, have that 15 minute conversation and consultation. Uh, No cost or obligation. You can call him at 800 664 1183. That's 800 664 1183. Or you could go to the podcasting website if you're already working with Don and you just want to subscribe to the show. Either way, you can find that information there as well, Don Cash Podcast dot com. It'll walk you through how to subscribe. Pretty easy stuff to do depending on whatever app you're using. doncashpodcast.com. dot com. A lot of information done this week as always, but good stuff in general because we're dealing with a lot of these things and it can be overwhelming to people. So thanks for helping break it down.
1: Mark, be well, and anytime I see anyone in a muscle car, by the way, I know they're probably over 50. So <laughs> I think it's because wanted... we can only afford it until we get to that <laughs> point, right? You That's know? a good point. Uh, yeah. and, if you, and we want you to afford it, and we want you to enjoy your life, so That's right. better to spend time in the muscle car than spend time looking at your cell phone or TV watching financial news, right?
0: There you go. That's a positive. Exactly. I've already gotten my wife to jump in with me on the regular and take a few cruises around town and even have a couple of dinner dates, so hey. It's it's a win-win. Uh, good. Thanks for your time, my friend, as always. We'll catch you next time here on Your Money and Your Life with Don Cash. Again, don't forget to subscribe to us, and we'll see you next time here on the podcast. Investment advisory services offered through Donald W. Cash & Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of New Jersey.